Genesis chapter 18, the last half of Genesis 18 through Genesis 19 is where we're going to be this morning, um, looking at uh, the, the part of the Abraham cycle dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happens in here is we have simultaneously presented to us righteousness and destruction. The righteousness of God and, and the destruction of people. And, and what does that look like and where are we today? So what we're going to do is we're going to read the end, uh, the last uh, 17 verses, 16 verses of Genesis 18 together. And then we're just going to walk through Genesis 19. So if you've got your place in Genesis 18, please go ahead and stand if you're able, if you're physically able, um, as we look at these verses uh, 16 through 33 together and um, looking at, at what happens with, with Sodom and Gomorrah in the life of Abraham. It says in verse 16, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the entire place and not spare it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous would fare as the wicked. Far be it that from you shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. And the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Verse 29, again, Abraham spoke to the Lord saying, suppose 40 are found there. The Lord answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And Abraham said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. The Lord answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, behold, I have undertaken again to speak to the Lord. And suppose 20 are found there. The Lord answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And Abraham said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And the Lord answered, saying, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray together. Father, Lord God, we look at your word. We look at the staggering truth of your word. We look at the wickedness of sin. Not your sin. For you know no sin. 
but the sin of people. Your image bearers, men and women, families, generations created in your image. But Lord, we also see the plea for righteousness. So Lord, we ask that today we would lift high righteousness, that we would lift high the cross of Christ, that we would seek to find true righteousness and that your face would shine upon us. Father, teach us your word. Teach us your truth. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we get to this passage of scripture. If you weren't with us over the last few weeks, this is kind of what we've gotten into with Abraham. Abraham has, has been selected by God. He is the son of Terah, 10 generations removed from Noah. Uh, so 10 generations from the flood, we get to Abraham. He's given a promise by God that he will be a great and mighty nation. So he, he, he takes this land, he separates from his nephew Lot. His nephew Lot goes towards the valley where the grass was green and it was nice and plush. They take his flocks and, and and there in that valley, it said that Lot had settled just to the outside of the city of Sodom. But it also said that that city was known for its wickedness. That it wasn't a good place to live. It was a rough place. It was a sin-filled city. But Abraham went over to the kind of the, the straggly land. Not the, not, the, not the real plush. And not the place where you'd really look to raise a family and grow your crops. But God blessed him and said, your family will, will go for generations. But then Abraham comes in Genesis 15. Where's my family? I don't have a family. And God promises a son. And he takes matters into his own hand with, with, with his wife in conspiracy with his wife Sarah. And goes into Hagar. And she gives him a son, Ishmael. But God comes back and talks to him and says, no, no, no. The promise wasn't Hagar. The promise was Sarah, your wife. And last week we looked at this covenant that God makes. Changing his name from Abram to Abraham. Changing her name from Sarai to Sarah to show his continued covenant. And then we left Genesis 18 last Sunday with these three messengers from God ratifying the covenant saying hey this time next year just as God's already said this time next year your wife Sarah will have a son and what we have with those messengers is one as I presented last week I believe the, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ the second time that Abraham comes to comes into to, uh, face to face with Christ before Christ is actually born we can talk a little bit more about that later if that confuses you but then also two angels and that's where we pick up today in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. And there is this dialogue that takes place between Abraham and between the Lord, between Christ himself in this about righteousness and destruction. And in this, we have Abraham. Now you'll see, I, I didn't leave you blanks to fill in at the top. I just kind of filled those in for you already because I want us to just walk through the narrative together just kind of quickly and then come down and you can, you can you know, fill in the blanks at the bottom. So if you like to fill in the blanks, I'm sorry you don't get to on the first three areas of the narrative. I'm sorry. Um, I'll make it up to you next year. Next week and just give you a full blank sheet that you can just have fun with. Um, don't hold me to that because I might not do that. Um, so, so here we have in this passage of scripture, Sodom in a, Adam. Abraham interceding for Sodom. He says there in this passage of scripture that these men were getting ready to leave. Their purpose was not merely to show up and tell Abraham, you know what, you're going to have a baby next year. Sarah, your wife, will have a baby next year. 
their purpose was to bring destruction to Sodom. It says there that the Lord says in verse 20, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me and I will know. It wasn't that God didn't know whether or not Sodom was wicked and evil. He knew. He didn't turn a blind eye to it. It didn't catch him by surprise. Oh man, that city's really bad. I didn't know that. I'm glad somebody sent out a report. It was that the, the stench of their sin was such that he had to inter- intervene. This is now the second time, the second time that God has had to come since Adam and Eve uh, fell dead in the garden in Genesis chapter three and offer destruction because of sin. The first was with Noah, but you remember with Noah, He said, I'm not going to destroy the whole earth because of sin. Now it's a pair of cities. And he comes down and he says, I'm going to destroy this place, but Abraham's not exactly sure what that's going to mean. He knows he's got a nephew there. He's already rescued his nephew once uh, from from being taken captive by the the four kings of the north up in Assyria that had taken him in Genesis chapter 14. He's already rescued them now. And here Lot is once again intertwined with Sodom and the destruction of the Lord is coming. And Abraham says, okay, what if there are 50 righteous people there? What if there are 50 righteous people there? Will you destroy everybody because of those 50? Lord, Lord this is out of your character. You, you are a God who values righteousness. Remember, Lord, just, a few, just a, f- a few years ago, 23 years ago, you're having this conversation with me about a baby and I believed you and, and you accredited, accredited to me righteousness that wasn't my own. So you value righteousness. What if in the midst of all of that wickedness, what if there are only 50 people that, that aren't exactly sure what they believe, but they know that there is a God out there and they want to honor you and they're not doing everything else that everybody else is? What about them? And the Lord says, okay, there are 50 there. I'm not going to destroy. But folks, can I just say that what we get from this is that the only reason I can uh, I can understand that America exists as it does today is that there are at least 10 to 50 righteous people in our country. When we have states that are having to question whether or not to let a baby that's been born live, when we have racial injustice mounting and mounting, we think it would get better and we hope it would get better, but it seems to be as divided now in our country as it ever has been. When, when there is such a, such a shift in, in oppression and economy and, and, and it just seems like wickedness everywhere. When you can access and consume more bodies right now through internet pornography than at any time in our country. When it does not seem to be a value and a premium on, on God's purpose and plan for redemption and marriage and morality. I, I sat down and I was, I was in one of our middle schools here in Fairburn this week and I heard this statement from three different people in the, in, in the middle school. To this is Bear Creek. Kids today aren't being raised the way they have been, where they don't have an understanding of authority and right and wrong. I want you to think about the weight of that statement. 
Tuesday, I spent the day at, Re uh, at Renaissance Middle School working with them for their awards day. And I heard the exact same statement from a different middle school administrator. The, the problems that we're facing today in our schools are not the same problems we had 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. What, what's going on? We do not have a culture that values righteousness. We do not have a culture that values what God's word says. No longer are mom and dad saying, this is what the Bible teaches and this is who we are supposed to be. They're saying, well, just what are your friends doing? I would rather be your friend than your parent. And we nuance it a hundred thousand different ways and it continues to spiral towards anarchy. But praise God that there are at least 10 or 50 righteous people in our country. I know because I interact with some of you. We've got at least 10 to 50 here in this room. Let y'all figure out which 50 I'm talking about. God is bent on destroying this city and Abraham steps in as a type of one that would intercede for someone else's unrighteous. Say, what if you can only find this? And the Lord says, okay, I won't destroy. All the way down to 10. He intercedes. He goes before the Lord and claims righteousness where maybe it's hard to find. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Because of the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit is consistently before the throne of God claiming the righteousness of Christ because we have surrendered ourselves to him. Abraham intercedes for Sodom. But then we get into chapter 19. It says in chapter 19, verse 1, it says that the two angels came to Sodom in the evening when Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. So, so apparently what happens is the, 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 the time that Christ was present with them is not through all of this. Because it says in chapter 18 that the two men towards, went towards Sodom, but the Lord, Abraham stayed with the Lord. And then the Lord leaves, Christ leaves. But the two angels, they go and they go into Sodom and where God is going to miraculously rescue a man, not because because he needed to be rescued, not because he deserved being rescued. What happens here is these men approach and they get to Sodom and they meet Lot. And, and, and Lot says, hey guys, um, welcome to our city. You need to come stay at my house. No, we're just going to camp out here in the city square. You don't need to do that. You desperately need to come into my house. I, I, don't, I don't know what Sodom looked like. But here's what I have. I live down in Noonan, and I kind of have the city square of Noonan pictured. So if you've ever been to Noonan, you go down uh, Jackson Street, you get into downtown Noonan, you come, there's the intersection of Washington, you got the courthouse there, and you got shops all around there. So kind of what I picture is there's La Fiesta Mexican restaurant right here on the left before you get there. It's at the corner of Madison and Jackson right there. I picture that Lot's kind of hanging out there. Maybe he just had a taco, and he's sitting there, and uh, he's, he's, he's catching them as they come in. He's like, hey, guys, welcome to our city. Um, so so I need you to come on, stay with me. And he, they're like, nah, there's some nice park benches over here. We're just going to camp out there. You don't need to do that. So I don't know what the makeup was. I don't know if they had a city square, just like what we would kind of picture in some of our, our picturesque southern towns. But what I do know is these men were going to sit there and Lot said, you don't know the wickedness of this city. You've got to get indoors. You know the old phrase, the old, phrase, uh, the old saying, freaks come out at night? That was Sodom. Here they come. 
and to prove what was going on, once they get in, Lot is getting ready. He's going through the same motions that Abraham did. In chapter 18, these men get to, they intersect with Abraham. He, Abraham says, hey, stop here. Let me get you some water. And instead of getting them water, he gets them a calf. He gets them some bread. He gets them some milk. He gets them some cheese. He lays out the feast. Lot gets them home. Hey, let's get a meal together. He's being hospitable. He's kind of going in the same pattern. And it looks like it's going to be the same with what happened with Abraham until there's a at the door. And the men of the city, it says, young and old, are pressing on the door and says, hey, where are the two men that came and uh, uh, came, came to your house? Why don't you bring them out here so that we can know them? Now, I want you to understand something very clearly. I know we've got some, some, some younger children in the room, so I want to try to be as delicate as I can with this, but also be direct. They didn't want a handshake. It wasn't like if you got company over and your neighbor brings and says, hey, you know what? Your mail was put in my mailbox here. I need to make sure you get your mail. And you say, oh, yeah, well, hey, this is my parents. They came from out of town to, 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 to meet us. And he entered. That's not what they were after. The language that's used here, it says in this passage of Scripture, uh, it says there in verse, verse 5, where are the men that came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we might know them. This is what we would call a carnal knowledge they are seeking to have uh, a, they are seeking to have a love fest orgy with these men and lot says no 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 you can't do that seems like he's uh, going to be righteous doesn't it instead of these two men why don't you take my two daughters look at what it says they've not known a man I'm willing to sacrifice the purity of my daughters. I'm willing to sacrifice my family. So why don't you just take them? Stop what you're about to do. Lot is not a righteous man. We've got to understand that, okay? Lot is not a righteous man. It is no mistake that Abraham says, if you can just find 10, will you save the city? And they come across Abraham's neighbor and Abraham's nephew and find that he is not one of the 10. He's not a righteous dude. He says, let me bring them out to you and you do to them as you please. Your translation, if you have the King James, if you have the New King James, if you have the New International or the uh, Christian Standard will say, do as seems good to you to them. Now we've got a question of what is good. And it wasn't what was going down in Sodom that night. It wasn't what was going down in Sodom at any time. Take my daughter. Instead, they say, you know, you're judging us. <laughs> don't you hear that in culture? You, you, you put your foot down on a moral issue. Well, don't, you're judging us, holy roller, Bible beater. Uh, you're, the for, you're the foreigner. You came to sojourn with us and now you're our judge. But these angels, these men of God, men sent from God, they struck, it says there, it struck, they struck these men with blindness. So they couldn't find their way. They pulled Lot back inside and said, we've got to get out of here, bud. This is not going to go well. Who do you have in your house? He says, okay, well, I've got my wife. I've got my daughters. And, and guess what? The daughters were engaged. Now, men, let's just rewind a few years to when you were engaged to your now wife. 
Younger men, one day you might be engaged if the Lord has that in your future. But just think about this. You're engaged to this lovely lady. You've gone to, to her dad and said, I want to honor your daughter. I want to carry on, carry her banner. That's like you've been carrying all these years. Can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? Because I love, want to be part of this. What would you do if you found out this is your future father-in-law? Hey, hey guys, just take my daughters and do what you want to with them. I don't want to be part of your family anymore. And so when Lot comes to his sons-in-law and says, we've got to get out of here, God's raining judgment. It says there in the Bible, it says that they thought that he was just joking. They didn't take him seriously. Folks, when you and I refuse to, be, to stand for righteousness, the world will not take us seriously when it's go time. And part of the reason we're seeing churches bleed members and we're seeing the uprise of wickedness and unrighteousness throughout our civilization is because people don't take us seriously when it comes to matters of righteousness because we've not lived in it. We've lived in Sodom. We have, we have participated in the culture to where we look just like them. And who are you going to say that God's going to come and judge against me? You're just messing with me. It says there that the men said to Lot, the, we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. It says in verse 15, As morning dawned, the angels urged, say, Up, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, here lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city but he lingered. Lot. Lot, you just watch these two guys strike this crowd of men with blindness. And you're just going to linger around when they're telling you, you got to get out of here because we're going to destroy it? Hang around sin too long, we become blind to what's true. But it says there in this passage that the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him and got him out of the city. Show of hands, did Lot deserve to be rescued? Nobody's hand went up. But God was merciful. Where would we be without the merciful God that we serve? It says in verse 23, the Lord had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Because, because Lot wasn't going to go as far as the angel said. Hey, you've got to get to the mountains. Get as far away as you can. It's like, oh, but I can't get that far. Can I just go to this little town over here? Fine, just get there because we're about to rain down fire and brimstone on this place. It says there that when the sun, the sun had risen on the earth, when light came to Zoar, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew those cities. Abraham interceded for the city, but God couldn't find anyone righteousness, righteous. So God, because of his love for Abraham, rescues Lot, and now we have the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Completely destroyed, wiped off the face of the earth, gone.
because of sin. It wasn't just because there was a sinner or two in Sodom. But because of the outcry of wickedness. You remember the words that God used when we were talking about the flood and Noah several weeks ago? God was sorry that he had made people. He was sorry that he had made image bearers because of their wickedness. But he said, I'm not going to destroy the whole earth again with a flood. I'm not going to do that. The wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah brought down not the what didn't bring down the rain and the, bring up the floodwaters. It brought down fire from heaven. And, and I know it's 2019. We're supposed to have flying cars by now. And all this kind of seems archaic and historical. That was good for the Bible times. But man, is that really, is that something like that really happened? Let, let me caution you on que- those kind of questions. I, I personally, I'm, I'm not one that has a problem with asking questions of Scripture. I believe it's appropriate that we ask questions that lead us to grow in our faith. I, I believe that is, it is good for us in a community of believers to say, okay, the Bible is the authoritative word of God, but some of these things are hard to come to grips with. What's going on here? Why are Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed the way they are? Well, let's back out of Sodom and Gomorrah and just kind of come to 21st century America for a little bit and and connect this to our heart specifically. We have a man, Abraham, who has been given the righteousness, the, the, the given righteousness because of his faith. It said there in Genesis chapter 15, that Abraham believed the, uh, believed the Lord with more than what his eyes could see, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. That faith was his righteousness. And this same man is pleading with God about righteousness. What, what if we find righteousness? What do we do? And what we ultimately see with Abraham's intercession is that God's mercy is extended because of righteousness. God's mercy is extended to Sodom and Gomorrah if righteousness can be found. Righteousness is extended to us because, uh, excuse me, mercy is extended to us because the righteousness of Christ has been applied to us. Oh man, I love Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And it talks about the mercy of God. It talks about, it says, that God who is merciful because he doesn't deal with us according to our sin. I'm so glad for that. Hey, show of hands real quick. This isn't signing you up for anything. It's just a little honesty check. Anybody in here ever been disrespectful to their mama or their daddy? I don't see, but just a couple of liars. Okay, good. (laughs) Did you know that according to the holy law of God in the Old Testament, that because you were disrespectful to your parents, you should be put to death by stoning? (laughs) All the parents said, amen. (laughs) Except you wouldn't be parents because some of you parents raised your hands too. What if we took God seriously at his word when it comes to sin? That's where all this begins is back in the garden, Genesis chapter 3. 
hey, Adam, you can do anything. I, I've given, I, you can eat of anything in this garden. I put you here to be fruitful, to multiply, to, to subdue the earth, to cultivate it, make it produce for you. But do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in the day that you do, you will die, surely. Eve and didn't fall over dead but gave to her husband who was with her and Adam's being a man. Well, you didn't die. I guess I'm sure. Why not? Everything came unraveled. He did not take God seriously. God in his mercy provided a covering. God in his mercy didn't strike him dead physically, but he introduced spiritual death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Every one of our sins has earned us death, but I don't believe we take God that serious. It was just a little lie. It was, it, was, it, it, was, it was just an, an indiscretion. It was a mistake. It's no longer fornicating. It's sleeping together, right? It's, 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 no, longer, it's no longer drunkenness. It's, it's an alcohol problem. The problem is sin, period. Well, we didn't actually seal the deal. It's, it's okay if it's my computer to look at that. no. It's not. And just because God doesn't strike us dead immediately because of our sin does not mean that he does not care about our sin. Instead, he's being merciful to us. It says that the Lord was merciful to Lot. Why? Because Abraham, his uncle, had righteousness. The reason God is merciful to us today is because of the righteousness of Christ where God laid down the life of his own son, sacrificed himself for us. The one who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of Christ. God extends mercy because of righteousness. Second, we find that because the path of sinfulness leads to destruction, God takes sin seriously. Because the path of sin leads to destruction, God takes sin seriously. Now, I want you to hear my heart on this. Because I know the other 23 hours of today, the other 100 and whatever hours, 167 hours of the week, you're going to hear relativism. It's okay for me, but it might not be okay for you. You do you, I'll do me. Well, I can do this and still be okay. See, the question that we have allowed to creep into the church that is eating us and rotting us to the core is, can I still be a Christian and... And you fill in the blank because you've heard the question. Maybe you've asked the question. Is it okay for Christians to, because what we're trying to do is find loopholes, right? That's why no contract plans with your cell phones are great. We don't want that two-year commitment with Verizon or AT&T anymore. We want to pick up and go anytime, any chance we get. We, we don't like that long-term thing. 
But see, the commitment to faith in Christ, remember we talked last week about there was no such thing as a private, uh, private covenant. It's because this was supposed to be a public declaration of who we are from here on out. And see, God takes sin so seriously, not that he would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but that he would crush his son that we could overcome it. A few minutes ago, we sang, we understand it better by and by. And, and there was a line in there about what we overcome. You know what we overcome? It's sin. Because God took sin seriously enough to do something about it. Notice with me here, it says, in this it says, the Lord says in verse 26, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous in that city, I will spare the whole city for their sake. God takes sin seriously enough that he values righteousness in such a way that he would spare an entire population of people if he could find a small remnant of righteousness. Furthermore, he says, will you destroy? The word destroy appears in, in, in verse 28. It appears again in verse 13 of chapter 19. It says, we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Sodom and Gomorrah were on this pathway of sinfulness that had only one end, which was destruction. If we truly believe what the Bible says about us, about sin, and about righteousness, then we've got to see that sin is destruction in our lives. Period. It's destruction in our lives. It is a path of destruction. And that's where Lot takes us next. Because what, remember the verse we read a second ago that Lot lingered? Lingering around sin will bring devastation to your life and to those who are close to you. Sin brings devastation, period. But Lot wasn't just complicit. He had fully involved himself such that when he had the warning of God that this culture is being consumed by fire, he didn't want to run for the hills. Folks, I fear for America. I, I do not fear for America because Donald Trump is president. I do not fear for America because Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House. I do not fear for America because we can't decide if we want to build a wall or not. Those things, I honestly, I don't care about. I fear for America because I'm convinced that God's people have lingered around too long. I fear for America because I believe and I'm convinced that the church of Jesus Christ in America has substituted the American dream for God's purpose of redemption. I fear for America because I look at Lot. And I see this man who went from being an outsider on the outskirts of civilization to being so ingrained in its culture 
that he heeded not the word of God. He was okay with sin. Yeah, sure, he put his foot down against those guys that wanted to have their way with the men. At the expense of what? Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. It doesn't matter if it's between two men, two women, a man and a woman, a man and a boy, a man and a girl. Who doesn't matter? Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. And we can't draw these lines and excuse this form of immorality for that form of immorality. It's immorality. And we have become so complicit with sin in the church that the world doesn't take us seriously. Now, this isn't a 2019 thing. You go back to Mahatma Gandhi, one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. He said this, he said, I love your Christ, but I do not like your Christian." Lingering around sin brings devastation. You remember what God told Cain in Genesis chapter 4? Genesis chapter 4. It's a worship scene. Cain brings him some of the stuff he grew and Abel brings him the first, the fattened, the, the, the best of his flock. He had favor for Abel but did not have favor for Cain's sacrifice. And Cain became angry. And remember what God said? Hey, sin is crouching at your door. It's lingering. What are you going to do about it? He murdered his brother. Lot, this city is about to be destroyed. And Lot lingered. You know what the example, men, men you got to hear me on this. You know what example Lot set? That this place is more valuable than what God has said. Because when they got to the outskirts of the city, it says that Lot's wife turned and looked back because she had the affection for where she was from more than what the word of God had said, more than what the purpose of God was. She had more of an affection for that city. And so she turned and said, that's my culture. And she became a pillar of salt. Now Lot's without a wife. His daughters were out without their future husbands or their mama. And they take immorality into their own hands and they get their, their father drunk and become impregnated by him. Because they linger. Folks, this is, this, here, here, here's where I want you to hear me. And this is why I believe that, that this passage is, is one that's not popular in the church and why I believe this message is probably not popular in the church. Because this isn't about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and America. It's about you and me. It's about us. Do we take our own sins so seriously? Do, do I? Do I take my sin seriously enough to say, oh, lingering around is going to destroy everything? Lingering around sin brings devastation, and I don't think we're convinced of that anymore. I think we say another day, another dollar. I think we say life goes on, and Paul says, we will say tomorrow, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die, but that's only if the Lord wills. Oh, that God would be able to find among us 50 who are truly righteous. Oh, that God would be able to find in this sanctuary a room full of people who are truly 
righteous, who have renounced sin for the sake of Christ, who have renounced wickedness, who have renounced oppression, who love mercy, who seek justice, who, who elevate one another for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in him alone we find righteousness. We're not lingering. We're not lingering. We're running. Running a race of holiness and purity and righteousness so that this city... This state, this country will see what it looks like when men and women of God mount, gird themselves with his righteousness and his holiness and say, no, sin is put far from us. That is not who we are. We are of God. And then the last thing we find as we look in this passage of scripture comes back to something that I hope is common for all of us. And that's that salvation is because of God's extended mercy. Salvation is a function of God's mercy. It says in this passage of scripture, it says that the men seized him and his wife and his daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. If you have ever trusted Christ Jesus, it's because God was merciful to you and gave you an opportunity. If you are sitting in this room right now, it's because of God's mercy on your life to hear his word, to hear his truth, to know his power. If you've ever trusted Christ Jesus, that's because he's been merciful. If you've never trusted Christ Jesus, you are here because God loves you. You are here because God's desire is for you to say, you know what, the way of the world's not worth it. Christ Jesus is it. It doesn't matter if you fall in the way of Sodom and Gomorrah. It does not matter if you fall in the way of self-righteousness. It, what matters is what do you do having been exposed to the truth? That God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. The path we've been on is a path of destruction. But right now, because of his mercy, God is offering you the path of righteousness. Righteousness that averts destruction for his glory. 